Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, highlights and sounds from Raiders content day at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We got news and notes and calls and texts. It's all coming up on Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for June 6, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Your win is a Raider. Just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it becomes available. Of course, if you're checking us out on YouTube, many thanks to you and many thanks to my man Ari who does a great job each and every day having us up on YouTube. You can check him out on Twitter at Ari Produces. You can hit me up on Twitter as well at your boy Q254. And if you ever want to chime in on the show, of course, the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line always wide open like some old school TV antennas at 707 7654-4693. And I'll tell you right now, a lot to get to on today's show. I'm apologizing if the show gets up a little bit later than it normally would at a very busy Monday. Started out very early at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center for Raiders Content Day, which turned into the Raiders Roundtable, which turned into about a three and a half hour show with JT the Brick, Eric Allen, and myself. Then, of course, did my normal radio show on Raider Nation Radio 920 from 2 to 5 p.m. Then followed up with uh, a time I had to Hop on ESPN National, Freddie and Fitzsimmons from 6 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. So very busy day. It was kind of like a last second call from ESPN. Hey, guys out today, could you possibly fill in? So had to fill that void, but it made for a very long day. So I uh, really didn't get into the routine as I normally would and get all the uh, content out at the same uh, timely in the same timely fashion that I would. So I do apologize for that. But as I mentioned, got a lot to get to on the show. So let's go ahead and jump right into it off top. Later on this morning, about 930 at Pacific time, head coach Josh McDaniels will be meeting with us at the uh, media room inside the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center as mandatory minicamp is getting on underway today, June 6th, June 7th, and June 8th, meaning everyone with a contract who has a signed contract must be in attendance. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be working out that is there in attendance, but as long as they're in the building and are accounted for, then all is good. Now, of course, the one guy that's going to be asked about quite a bit is Josh Jacobs, the running back. He will not be there. Uh, He might be in the building somewhere. Uh, I doubt that, but he won't be uh, in attendance out there on the field as he is not a guy who has signed his contract. He has the franchise tag. It's about 10 point something million dollars. Hasn't signed it yet as they're still trying to work together on a long-term deal. And that has to be done by July 15th. So we'll see when and if Josh Jacobs makes an appearance at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, but I don't expect it to be any of the next few days. But at 9.30 this morning, head coach Josh McDaniels will speak with the media, and I should be in attendance for that, but I have to also do my radio show instead of from 2 to 5 Pacific time. It's going to be from 12 to 3.30 Pacific time. JT the Brick is out on vacation. He'll be out for a week, and so I'm uh, I'm sliding up to 12 o'clock, 12 to 3.30, and then making way for Aces basketball. So if you normally tune into Unnecessary Roughness, just have that little bit of an, a note that it'll be starting at noon. So I won't be able to be out there for practice at 
that's open to media, which is open from 1015 to 1230. There's that little window of time when you can take pictures and videos and then, of course, observe what's going on at the practices. Of course, I'd love to be there. I won't be there on Tuesday or Thursday. Wednesday, I do anticipate being out there. But Tuesday and Thursday, uh, my show will start at 12 o'clock, so I won't be able to be out there for that portion of it. But again, 930 a.m., Josh McDaniels talks to us. 1015 to 1230, that's when practice is open to the media. Then 1230, select players will be meeting with the media as well and talking to us. So I won't be there for that. But I think the important part will be there uh, to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels and see where he's at, get any kind of update on maybe a couple guys that are injured and just some other uh, elements of the team that he's looking for as mandatory minicamp gets underway. They'll have one more OTA session, a couple three-day session uh, following mandatory minicamp, and then basically they're off or they are off until training camp gets started. So there'll be a little bit of a window of a lull and not too much going on. And then training camp, and then it's full throttle once training camp happens. Also on Wednesday, they'll have practice from 10, 15 a.m. to 12.30. That'll be open to the media as well. I do anticipate being there for that. And then at 12.30, so that coaches and players uh, will be uh, in the media room as well. So we'll get to talk to coaches and players at 12.30 and then see practice from 10, 15 to 12.30. So there's that. And then Thursday, same thing. 10 a.m. to 11.45, practice open to the media, 11.45 in the mornings, coaches and players available to meet. So that's just the next couple days as far as mandatory minicamp goes. It'll be great to see everybody out there uh, on the practice field that has a contract and just kind of seeing what they got going on. And I'll just have to do a lot of the uh, seeing what they got going on through other people's eyes. I'll have to hear from other folks as, like I said, have to start my radio show a little bit early since JT is on vacation. Now, on Monday, like I said, it was a very busy day. Raiders content day. It used to be called Raiders media day. That's how I was calling it until I got to the facility and they said, no, we're not calling it media day today. We're calling it content day. So they decided to change the name up. That's fine. It was three and a half hours of great content. It really was. I didn't really know uh, what to expect going into it. It's the first time that I've been invited uh, to be a part of it, and it was a lot of fun. It was really kind of a set, uh, relaxed setting. Uh, JT, Eric Allen, and myself, and of course, JT and Eric Allen, they do the pre- and post-game show during the regular season for Raider games, and you know, I do the, the pre-game, pre-game show. So to have all three of us be able to collaborate, similar to what we did a year ago when it came to the draft, I thought was a lot of fun. But we talked to GM Dave Ziegler, quarterback Brian Hoyer, wide receiver Jacob. Kobe Myers, defensive end Max Crosby, Andre James, the center, and then safety Marcus Epps. We talked to all those guys on uh, on Monday, and you know, didn't get to see Jimmy G. I know that he was there in attendance. I know he took his pictures because uh, that's what the whole content day is about: is going down to different stations and taking pictures, and uh, you know, doing interviews, whatever the case may be. But certain guys weren't available while we were there, and we were there for a very long time, so uh, it really spilled over late into the late afternoons. Like Devontae Adams, he, he didn't come out while I was still there. Jimmy G didn't come out while I was still there. It was really staggering when it came to the players. Like there would be certain guys that come out a certain time and others that wouldn't. And like Max Crosby, for example, his physical was scheduled around noon, but he came out in his full uniform just to get everything over and done with and then talk with us. So we were able to get him early. So it was just depending on what time the players arrived, what their uh, schedule looked like. It was a very tight schedule. They had a lot going on. 
on. But it was great to get some good time with the GM, Dave Ziegler. Uh, even Brian Hoyer, I thought that conversation was really good. Max, he just continues his leadership. Very impressed by Mad Max Crosby. And if you didn't get a chance to to see the, the, uh, the event, the Raiders Roundtable, it is available right now on YouTube. It's available on all the Raiders platforms, Raiders.com. It was a lot of fun. Very proud of the effort that was put in by everybody. Not just JT, Eric Allen, and myself, but everybody. It took a lot of people behind the scenes to really put everything in motion and get it going and have us there in the indoor facility being able to observe and one quick funny story. I don't know if you got to check it out on YouTube or not, or if you plan on checking it out a little bit later. I, I walked in early. It was about 7 a.m. Pacific time. That's when I was told to arrive, so I got there early so, so we could start planning the show. And somebody walked by, and I don't know who it is, and I apologize that I don't know who their name is, but it was somebody behind the scenes. They had a big basket full of footballs, practice footballs. And they walked up to me and said, do you need a football for the set? And I said, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if we need a football or not. And so he handed it to me. I literally, Raider Nation, held on to the football the whole time. The whole three and a half, half hours that we were there, I held the football. And Eric Allen kept messing with me saying, so you're challenging me to knock that ball out of your hand, right? And I'm like, no. No, actually, I'm not, right? I mean, this is what you do. You're a professional. I am not. I'm just trying to hold on to the ball because it was given to me, and I don't want to drop it. I don't want to be that guy to put it on the turf. If I put it on the turf, that's push-ups. And he said, yeah, no doubt. If I knock it out of your hands, you got to do push-ups. So then the rest of the time, I'm like on notice. I'm thinking about, okay, uh, EA is going to try to knock this ball out of my hands. So uh, during breaks, I would take the headset off, and I'm, I'm trying to hug onto the ball so nobody knocks it out of my hands. Like, I'm being real scary because I didn't want him, JT, or anyone else. And one of the guys behind the scenes, our guy Wyatt, who does a really good job there, he was trying to tell some of the players, like Marcus Epps. He was like, yeah, man, go knock the ball out of Q's hands. And I had my headset on, but I saw him talking, so I took the headset off. I was like, what would you say? Oh, don't worry about it, Q. Don't worry about it. He was trying to set me up for failure. And uh, so anyway, it was a lot of fun. So if you check it out on YouTube and you see his football in my hand and you see, especially if you continue to watch it a little bit longer, you'll see that grip on the football hold on a little bit tighter. GM Dave Ziegler, he did ask me to throw it to him. So I tossed it to him and he had some fancy handwork. I'll tell you right now, man, he had the, the he was throwing the ball up in the air, catching it with one hand and just showing off his skills. Uh, even Eric Allen said afterwards, like, okay, Dave, I see, see he's got a little bit of skills with the ball in his hand. I said, yeah, he, he sure does. So I threw it to him. He threw it to me. I held on to it for three and a half hours. Then after the whole event was over, he walked by me again and was like, throw me the rock. So I threw him the rock. Actually, I hit him with a shuffle pass. He threw it back to me. Cool. And then a young lady that, uh, that works there in the PR department who, who takes the players from station to station, she's like, Q, throw me the ball. So I threw her the ball, and she bobbled it. And I got nervous because the ball hadn't hit the ground yet. So she bobbled it, but she came up with the catch, and then she threw it, and she was gunning it at me. So I had to, all of a sudden I had to have the pressure on me where I had to make sure I made the catch because it couldn't hit the turf. It hits the turf. As push-ups. So I wasn't going to do that. But uh, I didn't. Threw the ball f multiple times back and forth. And then once I left... And I said, all right, I'm, I'm done. It was either the ball's going to come home with me or I'm going to hand it off to someone and leave it there. So I thought it was probably a smart thing to go ahead and leave it there. So I handed it to Jade and I said, all right, it's on you now. You must protect it at all times. So she took that responsibility on. But once I handed it off to her, I was done. Didn't have to worry about it anymore. But really good stuff. So like I said, if you get an opportunity, check it out. GM Dave Ziegler, quarterback Brian Hoyer, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, defensive end Max Crosby, center Andre James, and safety Marcus Epps were all part of the conversation. But also the conversation with 
you know, Eric Allen and JT was really good and kind of, you know, hearing what Eric Allen as a former player, great player, 54 career interceptions had to say and, you know, just what he was thinking and what the mindset should be of the players heading into this year and how important, especially defensively, uh, this season is for the Silver and Black. So a lot of good stuff. If you have a, check to, a ch- chance to check it out, the Raiders Roundtable from Raiders Content Day. Speaking of Raiders Content Day, one of the guys that we did get a chance to talk to was safety Marcus Epps. He was a guy that was signed as a free agent very early in the process from the Philadelphia Eagles, a guy who played every single snap just about for Philly in 2022 on their run to the Super Bowl. Of course, it didn't finish out the way that he wanted it to or the team wanted it to. He sat down with JT, EA, and myself. You'll hear that conversation coming up in segment number two of the show after I tell you about the title sponsor, which is FanDuel. And right now, the NBA Finals are going on. The NHL Stanley Cup Finals are going on. Right now is a great time to get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, not $2,500,000, just $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, and that's up from $1,000. It used to be $1,000, now it's up to $2,500. So a big-time increase by FanDuel. So again, they're showing you there's no better place to bet on all the finals action. It doesn't matter if it's the Stanley Cup finals or the NBA finals than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Wanted to let you hear a little bit of the sounds from Raiders content day at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Raiders HQ, again, talked to many players and also GM Dave Ziegler. The conversation with Dave Ziegler was almost 40 minutes. He gave us so much extended time. Really good stuff. If you listen to only one interview, Make sure you check that one out. That one is really a good one. I thought about bringing it to the table and breaking it up in three segments, but instead, just go ahead and check it out. Uh, Again, he was right there with us uh, on set. Uh, Really good dude. Uh, Fun to talk with, and and I think he he really helps provide uh, some information and some knowledge of what's going on inside the mindset of building the Raiders roster. But safety Marcus Epps, he did meet with us, uh, sat down. He was probably one of the last players to talk to us, and I thought the conversation was really good. So here's our conversation with Marcus Epps from Raiders Content Day on Monday. It started off with JT just asking how it feels to be a guy that the Raiders prioritized and identified as a guy who can help turn the defense around. Honestly, it feels it feels really good. I mean, you know, from my, my journey, it's kind of always been, you know, just being the underdog from, you know, being a walk-on in college to six-round pick. So, you know, I really felt it felt like this offseason, like all that hard work was was coming together, and you know, it's 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 a blessing to have this opportunity. Um, that this this organization, I mean, storied franchise, they 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 see that trust in me, and and for them to come get me, it, it felt really good. Do you consistently remind yourself about that journey to keep that that fire burning? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always want to have that chip on my shoulder. Um, I always want to feel like I have something to prove. Um, you know, I never want to be complacent. I always want to keep that hunger and keep that drive and keep keep working and striving for more. Yeah, it seems like the Raiders have a bunch of guys like that who's had to overcome adversity. Talk a little about last year and how uh, each week you have to play at your best. 
uh, each week you have to get that secondary kind of in the perfect position to make those plays. Talk to us about the journey, the, the successes, and some of the failures. Yeah, you know, it was a really fun year last year. Obviously, it didn't end the way um, we wanted it to, but, you know, had a lot of fun playing football with that group of guys. And, you know, it's like you said, I mean, in the NFL, it, it's a week-by-week thing. Um, you know, whether you won the, the week before or you lost the week before, you got to, you know, stay level-headed. You can't, you can't look too far in advance on the schedule. You can't look in the past. You got to bring that same fire, that energy each week. Um, and you know, be prepared, or you can lose any any given Sunday. So, you know, you got to kind of um, have that. Just stay here, stay even keeled throughout the season, stay focused, and, and keep working each week. We're uh, watching a couple of your plays here on the B-roll, making it deep in the end zone, behind the line of scrimmage. How do you describe your play, the the running game, and especially being on the back end and being a ball hawk at times? What's the best description of the style you play? Um, for me, I like to think of myself as a, a pretty versatile DB. You know, I feel like I can play free or strong. I feel like I can slide down in the slot and play nickel if I ever needed to. Um, but that's just, you know, that's that's for my work ethic in the off season of just always trying to sharpen my tools, sharpen my skill set, so that you know anywhere I, I'm asked to play on the field, I feel comfortable. Um, whether it's in the box, whether it's deep in coverage, low in coverage in the slot, you know I want to feel comfortable. So you know I make sure to put that work in um, in the off season to always sharpen my skill set. How much have you uh, uh, embraced that leadership role also in that in that secondary room now, being brought in as a free agent? Yeah, it's been cool, man. Honestly. You know, coming in, I just wanted to make sure that I was being myself. You know, first and foremost, I wanted to make sure I was really getting to know the guys and making an effort to get to get to know everyone in the room. Um, you know, and then I feel like I feel like that that leadership comes. It, it's got to come naturally. Right. You know, I didn't want to come into the room and try to like really force it. I just wanted to, you know, develop those relationships and you know be a part of the group. Um, so you know, so far it's been it's been going really good. Um, everybody's been very welcoming. Um, I think we got a real good group of guys. So I'm excited to see what we can do this year. Man, you're always around the ball. I mean, it just you, know, you pop on the film. You're always in the right spot. Always around the ball. Uh, and it's not easy, right, in this league because everyone's looking at you as far as opponents checking film out. How are you able to stay consistently around the ball? Uh, I think it's just film study. Um, you know, you got to each week you got to make sure that you're prepared. I mean, if, if, if you can come in prepared, if you know what the offense is going to do, it makes it a lot easier out there. Um, so I think that's what I would attribute to the most is film study. Yeah, so to follow up, uh, what, are the, what are the steps? Did you come into the league like that? When did you learn it if you didn't? And how have you continued to do that? Um, honestly, I feel like that's been one of the things of – you know, as a young player, it's kind of like sometimes when I was young, I would feel myself watching film, but kind of be like, <laughs> "What am I don't watching?" Really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't really know like what I'm watching, what I'm picking up on. Uh -huh. um, you know, I feel like the last two seasons is when I've really gotten into a good, a really good routine of you know watching cutups, um, knowing what I'm looking for, whether it's play action pass, boot, third down, um, things like that. You know, my my previous DB coach, um, Denard Wilson, he helped me out a lot with that of just, you know, how to watch film, um, the certain ways to put on the tape, how he did it. And, you know, I've kind of just, the past two seasons, I've stuck with that, have my routine now, and it's helped me out a lot. Yeah. You know, Marcus, I was excited when they brought you in quickly because it's a need. Mm -hmm. And there's some good players here, and you're going to mentor some of them. But Patrick Graham needs someone like you to kind of flip this thing quickly. We just had Max on. He's fantastic. And Chandler Jones, Tyree Wilson goes number seven overall. Robert Spillane comes in. 
with the green dot, but you're really important because this thing's got to change. There's got to be some interceptions, some fumbles, take it back the other way and get that angry defense going. You just played on one of those defenses. What was that like? What can you bring to this organization coming off your recent success playing on a defense that was just flat out nasty? Honestly, I think a lot of that is it's, it's really just a mindset and, you know, it doesn't it doesn't just happen in the games. It starts in practice. And I feel like, you know, right now it's early. Right. But I feel like we've come we've come in with a good mindset. You know, I've seen the improvement, you know, day in and day out of, you know, guys really making an effort to, to learn the defense, um, to get more comfortable with the different coverages that we're running. So I think that's where it starts. Right. Of just knowing you know, how you can play different coverages um, and whatnot. And then from there, it's just a mindset of bringing that that attitude um, each and every day in practice of, you know, I'm going to go get the ball. So, you know, once it, once you start doing that, it just becomes becomes habit and, um, you know, good things start happening in the games. You know, you talk about you, you see it developing, you see it getting better. There was a play, I think, last Thursday maybe in OTAs where a ball was tipped, it dropped to the ground, and two plays later, a ball was tipped. And I think Trayvon Merrick came away with it and took it the other way. Is that part of the, the conversations even being had in the secondary room? Like, get to that ball. You got to yeah. get to that ball. Yeah, definitely. And that's what, you know, PG's been talking about it a lot. Um, Coach Ash, Simo, you know, they've all been talking about, you know, getting our hand on the ball, um, you know, and just going out there and making plays. You know, that's what, what they're trying to do with the defense this year is give us a little bit more freedom um, on the back end to go make plays. So, you know, I'm really excited about, you know, how we're taking those steps every day. Um, and, you know, I'm really excited about what we can do this year. Yeah, I'm looking at the list here. You know, Chris Smith comes in at Georgia, winning the titles, and I see USC, Miami, and then Wyoming, right? So take us through the transition from high school to college. You talked about your situation here. You've had this chip for a long, long time. What was the big moment for you in either high school or college where you thought, yeah, I can do this. I could be a pro eventually. You know, as crazy as it sounds, it's – you know, I've always just felt that way, you know, just since I was a kid in, in Pop Warner, man, I've always just, you know, had that thought in my mind, like, you know, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to make it happen. Um, and I've never let anybody, you know, deter me from that from that mindset. I've never let anybody, you know, I've never let anybody else's expectations of me come on to me. I've never let anybody else's disbelief in me change the way I feel about myself. Nice. Um, so, you know, I've just from there, I've just always kept it going. I've always made sure I put the work in and, you know, I've just continued to get better. So that's that California cool, JT. It's interesting because you played with Jerome Brown and Reggie White. Yeah, You're one of the yeah. great Eagle defensive backs of all time. What I love about this situation here we're going to ask you about the legends who played here mm. so lester hayes yeah and you look at the defensive backs mike haynes and then the safeties who have played over the years charles woodson was yeah. having a conversation with george atkinson the other night about jack tatum mm -hmm. and charles the michigan legend who was from ohio yeah. was hearing george talk about jack so you hear about jack tatum and the players that were around that alumni weekend did that yeah. resonate with you who have played in this defensive backfield over the decades? Yeah, definitely. And then even, um, you know, last Thursday when we had that, that alumni dinner yeah. and just, you know, hearing, you know, all the guys talk about, you know, the history of this franchise. I mean, 
You know, there's there's a lot of culture here. Um, there's a lot of history here of you know winning, and you know, I mean, it's one of the most storied franchises in the league for sure. So you know, it's just it's a blessing to be able to to be able to play for this franchise, especially being an LA guy. I know how many how big uh, the Raiders fans are back yeah. home. So you know, I'm really excited, really excited to be back on the West Coast, be close to home, and, and play for this organization. Well, there's, more, there's more Raider fans in LA yeah, still than yeah. Ram and Charger <laughs> right. fans, no doubt. Facts. Yeah. But I gotta ask you a big one about the fans. Because Eagle fans, Raider hey, fans, there are similarities. Hey, yeah, there, there are. are. Yes. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'd say that might be one of the biggest similarities. Yeah. What was it like to deal with the Eagle fans game day afterwards, critical or positive in your play? And now Raider fans, very similar. They're notorious is the word you hear a lot. They're mm-hmm. demanding. They're really smart. They're going to expect the best out of you. Yeah, you know, I've really, I've kind of learned to, uh, you know, block out the expectations that are outside of this building. Mm-hmm. Um you know, to me, the expectations that are the most important are the ones that are in this building. Because, um, you know, it's it's hard to see everything that's going on when you're not inside this building, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, I know the, the work that we put in as a team. I know the work that, that you know, that we put in together, what we strive for. Um, so, you know, I think those are the most important things um, to, to remember is just what's in the building is what is what matters most well thanks for doing this appreciate it have a healthy year really excited Thank you. to hear appreciate, appreciate it yes sir yes marcus epps newest addition to the silver and black there's the drone <laughs> the drone there still. it is more that's drone your, that's your drone jt yeah. there you go right here raiders round table as we continue so there it is right there that was the conversation with safety marcus epps the free agent signing from the philadelphia eagles excited about his journey excited where his journey has taken him and feels like he could be one of those different makers on the back end of the Raiders defense and look they did a lot or he did a lot in 2022 from interceptions to a lot of tackles being on the field just being a force on the field and of course it's not just him obviously that Philadelphia Eagles defensive line had a lot to do with it but they all played a role and he just continues to mature continues to develop as a player and hopefully that that spills over uh, into the Raiders locker room into the Raiders film room into the Raiders practice field you're hoping that he brings what he learned in Philadelphia brings it to the Raiders and could help out turn this defense around because the defense has to turn around in 2023 for the Raiders to have an opportunity at success. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts after that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693. That's coming up next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts. You have that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with a call from Brian in East Vegas. He's talk, calling to talk about the organization, the direction it's going, and why he thinks the fan base needs to calm down a bit. Here he is, Brian in East Vegas. Hey, Q. This is Brian from East Vegas and YouTube. I think the Raider fans need to calm down for a second and listen to what they're saying. First, they say, we've been such a bad franchise for a long time with bad picks, letting go good players, and not signing the players that we need to sign in free agency. So if that's been the case for the last nine years, and that's what a lot of Raider fans seem to think, why would it be that Josh McDaniels can fix the mistakes of the last 10 years in one year? I think Raider fans are being uh, a little impatient with the process that's going on. They've been given three years, 
I think three years is fair. I think looking what they can do with the draft and giving them a chance to develop something instead of taking what they had and trying to mold it into what they need. But it can happen. And also, real quick, Aiden O'Connell is the quarterback of the future. I can't wait to get him on the field. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Or teach you next time. Go Raiders. Brian, thank you for the call. Definitely appreciate you. And I agree with giving this staff or any staff right some time. Uh, there's no doubt. You can't just go in, hire a guy, fire a guy, hire a guy, fire a guy. That's a bad practice. The Raiders have been in that practice before, and it doesn't work. You've got to be able to have continuity. But the problem is, you know, if I put all the podcaster or radio guy to the side and just talk about me as a Raider fan, it's a tough pill to swallow when you say, well, just be patient, just relax, just chill a little bit. Because as fans, that's all we feel like we've done for the last 20 plus years, right? Is chill, relax, um, you know, have patience. And, and it's, it's hard to keep saying that and preaching that when, well, the, 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 the patience and the faith and the loyalty hasn't been rewarded Right. And, and again, I, that's part of being a fan. That's why we're diehard Raider fans. And again, putting all the podcaster and 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 radio guy aside before I was any of those guys, I was a fan, I was a fan first sitting in the Coliseum with everybody else, enjoying my time, having a great time, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's tough to say, have patience, have patience, let these guys build it. We know that that's what we have to do as fans is allow them to build it. But it's it's really tough to just be able to say, and, and I, I find it hard for myself. I don't feel comfortable saying, well, don't worry about it, Raider Nation. Just be be cool, relax, chill, you know, have have faith and, and be patient because, again, it's been so long. And uh, we all just want to see the, 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 you know, it pay off at the end of the day. Just want to see that patience all pay off. And, of course, you know, I'm blessed in the position I'm in. I pinch myself every day, especially, I mean, talking about being at the Raiders content day and being there with Eric Allen and JT. It's like it's incredible that I'm allowed to be a part of that, knowing that, you know, I'm just a fan. I'm a fan first, and I'm allowed to do what I do. And being, you know, being blessed to be on the radio and do the podcast thing is is gravy. But it all started with me just being a fan that was actually just starving for content because it wasn't there. And now there's Raiders content everywhere, which is awesome. I love it. And, and I appreciate everyone who's contributed to the mass, uh, you know, masses of, of Raider content that's out there. So, Brian, thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Next up, got a text from Raider Rob in Pittsburgh. Q is Raider Rob from Pittsburgh. During this very slow news time for the Raiders, why not show the Knights some love? At the very least, give them a plug in your FanDuel promo. The atmosphere has been electrifying. The pool parties seem amazing. It's great to see so many Raiders at the first two games. I know it seems more like a dream than reality, but can you imagine what Vegas would be like if the Raiders made a Super Bowl run? The A's can't get to Vegas quick enough in my mind. At least then, the Raiders would not be the worst professional team in Vegas. In a very short time period, the Knights and Aces are so far ahead of the Raiders. But as always, Raiders for life. That's Raider Rob in Pittsburgh. Thanks for the text. And I give the Golden Knights love all the time. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you missed those episodes, but I talk about the Golden Knights and the success that they're having here in Vegas all the time. And I let it be known that the Golden Knights are Vegas's number one team. And shout out to the Aces. I was there at the parade when they, when they won the championship last year, and I talked about the Aces in a major way, and that's also a team owned by Mark Davis. That's the reason why I'm starting my show early to, to, today, matter of fact, because they'll be on this afternoon. So I'm going to do 12 to 3.30 and make way for Aces basketball. So the thing about it is, and, and we'll talk about it sometime in great detail on the show, 
I mean, the, 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 the Knights are two games away from winning the Stanley Cup. The Aces have already won a championship with an opportunity to, to go on a nice run and, and, and possibly win another one this upcoming year. I think that that ratchets up the pressure on the Raiders to get it right, right? Because the one thing, and I've said it so many times on this show, and a lot of people don't want to listen to me, Vegas needs to have winners, right? I mean, that's the thing about it. If you're not winning in Vegas, they're not going to go. Ask UNLV. They can't give away tickets to UNLV games. Right. And so the Raiders don't want to be that team where, you know, all they are is an attraction for the opposing fans. And I know that they're going to come anyway. It's a it's a it's a destination location. It's Las Vegas. Who doesn't want to go there? I get it. But they've got to find a way to establish some dominance at home, win games, turn this thing around and be a winning product because everyone else around them, as you mentioned, is winning. And I think that that I think that's a good pressure to have. It ratchets it up like, hey, man, your turn. Everybody else has done it. What about you? So, uh, yeah, but the, the Stanley Cup is, is, is far from over. I know the Golden Knights are up 2-0, but, man, don't, don't rule out Florida now. They were down 3-1 uh, earlier in the playoffs, and they were able to come back and win, uh, rattle off three victories in a row. So uh, let's, not, let's not say that, uh, that the, the Stanley Cup is in the bag, but it sure does look good through two games, right? And as you mentioned, the atmosphere at the, at the Golden Knights game is fantastic. Tons of Raiders have been in attendance. I will say this. The first game on Saturday of the Stanley Cup Finals, there was probably about 50 Raiders in attendance. Dave Ziegler and company made sure that they took uh, all the players out there, and Jimmy G was there. And I didn't get to see him. I wasn't there, but JT was. And he was hanging out with him for quite a bit and said, man, he was walking fine. He didn't look like he had any problems. Now, that doesn't mean that he's ready to go out there and play football. But he did look like he looked the part. Like he was very – he wasn't walking with a limp or anything. Like everything that JT told me was uh, all looks good when it comes to Jimmy G. And I don't think if he had some kind of major limp or his foot was jacked up and he, he wasn't – he didn't think he was going to be able to, to return to action anytime soon, I don't think he'd really be out there – in public, putting himself out there where people could scrutinize and see what he's looking like and, you know, say, oh, yeah, he doesn't look quite right and and cause more of a concern. So, again, that doesn't mean that he's ready to go out and play football right now, but it is a, a, a sign that at least it looks like he's trending in the right direction. So, Raider Rob, thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. I'm glad that you're enjoying the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, up next, got a call from Mike in San Jose. It's a quick one. He's talking about turnovers and wants to hit me with the nugget that I wasn't talking about on Monday's show when it comes to turnovers. Here he is, Mike in San Jose. Hey, what's going on, Q? This is Mike from San Jose. Uh, what's going on, Raider Nation? Uh, you were talking about um, how the, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, the last time they had a six interception or six turnover player was in um, 1994. And... I have a nugget for you now. Uh, just in 2021, as a team, the Indianapolis Colts were second place uh, as far as turnovers. They had 33. The Dallas Cowboys had 34. So I'd much rather have that as, you know, a whole team effort rather than one individual player doing everything. So just wanted to let you know about that stat. Anyways, have a good week, Raider Nation. Thank you for the call, Mike. I appreciate you. And thanks for pointing out the turnovers for the Indianapolis Colts. And really, I was talking about interceptions more general and individuals just because, again, I think that it's important to have guys on your team that are used to coming up with the ball, getting their hands on the ball. That was really my point, but you're right. I mean, as long as the Colts are having a bunch of uh, creating a bunch of turnovers, that's at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And yeah, you would take the, the, the plethora of turnovers that they create in general over one guy having success. But I'm just talking about the Raiders trying to build their roster and the fact that they need to have guys that, that can come up 
with with plays like that, interceptions. You know, something I talked to Marcus Epps about. Uh, you heard me mention it in segment number two. Something I spent a lot of time talking to Eric Allen on and off the record at the Raiders Roundtable on Monday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center talking about. And again, he, he just keeps going back to Q. It's in your mind. It's who you are. You're either someone who's got the, the knack to find the ball and get to the ball or you don't. He was the guy that located the ball and made plays. Uh, it was so easy when Jacoby Myers and him were going back and forth. And I don't know if you heard that interview or not, but they were going back and forth. And Jacoby was saying, if I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a wide receiver, I'm going to get open. And Eric Allen's like, how? I'm a DB. I study film. I know your tendencies. How are you going to get over? So they had a nice little back and forth I thought was great. And then, you know, the uh, JT asked uh, EA, well, how many? tell him how many career interceptions you had. And Eric said, eh. Around 54. Like, he knew the exact number. He's like, oh, around 54. But that's that's that production that I'm talking about. So, where you're right, 100%. I don't want to discredit the Colts. I'm glad that they were able to get a bunch of turnovers as a team. When I'm looking at the Raiders, I'm trying to look at individuals that have ball skills production and and show that they can go and get the ball and get after the ball. So, uh, thank you for uh, pointing that out. I do appreciate it. And, and hopefully... Uh, the Raiders have individuals, a bunch of individuals that could come up and create some plays and get to about 20, 25 interceptions in a season and then come up with about 10, 10 forced fumbles, maybe eight or nine fumble recoveries, whatever the case may be. Uh, they need to be up there in the, the upper portion of turnover creating so they can get the ball back for their offense. Thank you so much for that call. It's good to hear from you. Uh, next up, I got a text from Irv in San Diego. It says, hey, Q, just wondering what you think about the addition of DeAndre Carter. No one's talking about him. I think he could be a good addition to the receiving core. He was sneaky good for the Chargers last year during their injury troubles. Anyways, thanks for all the good updates. That's Irv in San Diego. Just win, baby. And I think DeAndre Carter, thank you for the text, is a guy that nobody's really talking about, like you mentioned. And he did have really good production. He had good production as a receiver, similar to what Mac Hollins did for the Raiders in 2022. Mac Hollins was forced into a situation to, to be more of a receiver, and so was DeAndre Carter. And he stepped up to the plate. Matter of fact, he had some really good success week one against the Raiders. But he's also really good in the punt return game, really good in the kick return game. And I looked at him as who Trey Tucker is probably going to be at some point now that they drafted Trey Tucker, right? I think DeAndre Carter will be able to be this guy for this year, and and who knows what will happen afterwards. But I think that DeAndre Carter is who they want Trey Tucker to be, except for Trey Tucker's got more speed, right? They want him to be very good in special teams and also be another option at the wide receiver position and even a guy that they could just hand the ball off to. And, and, and get him in space and let him go. So uh, we'll see what happens. The competition in training camp, I think, is going to be pretty deep because the wide receiver room is very deep. There's a bunch of different positions that have a lot of players in it that going to make some tough decisions. But that's what happens when you're at 91 guys right now. And at some point, you got to get down to 53. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. And I think, let's see, I get one more call in before we wrap it up. Raider Eddie in Denver is calling to talk about the interceptions conversation we had on Monday's show and wanted to ask a question and point something out. Here he is, Raider Eddie in Denver. Hey, Q, what's up? This is Raider Eddie in Denver. Love your show as always. Love the debates and the uh, the platform for Raider Nation to kind of sound off and agree, disagree, and some of us have hope, some some of us don't. I love this uh, this Monday morning show. You're talking about the last Raider that had six or more interceptions that was – uh, I believe it was 16 years ago, 2007. I'd also like to know, when was the last time the Raiders were in the top half of the league in total sacks? Um, because we've talked about this dynamic before, is uh, sacks and pressure on the QB, does that help drive 
turnovers, or is it just associated with turnovers? Um, does good back end play help the the front end uh, in terms of defense? Now, I, I think all of that is probably true to some degree. But I'm just curious. You said 2007 was the last year we had a a guy with six or more interceptions. I'm also again just curious. What's the stat for when we were at least average in total sacks um, for our defense? Just curious about that. Uh, by the way, I'll just add on to that. Uh, side note, I do think the Raiders have told us where they believe our bread is going to be buttered on defense when they got um, our, our edge player. Uh, I really believe that, that Tyree Wilson, I really believe that that's, the Raiders saying, look, we've got to be dominant on our defensive line. We've got to get a lot better uh, at edge. Chandler obviously wasn't getting it done. So that's where they, they chose to invest um, that first-round pick. So I think that, that tells us a lot about what the Raiders believe has to happen on defense. Pressure up front with dominant, big, athletic uh, defensive linemen and young uh, defensive backs that are fast and feisty and not necessarily high draft picks. All right, thanks to you. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, as always, uh, love the show. Talk to you later. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt that the Raiders have prioritized the pressure up front. Dave Ziegler told us that on Monday. You know, hey, we pressure or we prioritize getting that pressure up front, and hopefully it creates more opportunities on the back end. And that's true. And they go hand in hand. That's something I think we all agree on. Regardless of how you look at it, who should come first, the the the, the defensive line, the secondary, whatever, it, it to me, it doesn't matter what order you get them in as long as you get them. And they're building it from the, the, the inside out, which, again, is what you're supposed to do. And they are. And they went and got Tyree Wilson, and that's great. And they've bulked it up, uh, bulked up the, the defensive line. Uh, Byron Young, the drafting of him in the third round, that shows that as well. Uh, you see the guys from last year, Butler and Farrell Jr., they're expecting a lot out of those guys. Uh, so they, they've got a, a nice little rotation built up, right? I mean, just look at the drafts that they got. And now they're hoping that these guys in the back end could also make plays. But the thing about it is, and what I'm really focused in on, is the fact that when the play is there to be made, you've got to make it. And there's been too many times that you've seen the play right there to be made. Just like I pointed out from OTAs last week where the ball tipped off someone's hands and the ball was right there and they just didn't get it. I told Eric Allen about that play and he just shook his head. He's like, that can't happen. That ball's up there like that. Good teams go and make the play. You look at the 49ers defense. We always talk about how great the 49ers defense is. Anytime there's a tip ball, guess what? There's somebody in red grabbing it going the other way. It's just about being in the right place at the right time, understanding the assignment, you having your, your coverage where you're supposed to be, right? I mean, it's a lot of film study, something Deron Harmon talked about all the time. You got to have film study. You got to understand alignments and know what the play is supposed to look like so you can be in position to make plays. Too many times the Raiders have let the ball just drop, drop har- harmlessly to the ground, and that can't happen. Again, that's the play, same play I asked Marcus Epps about that you heard in segment number two. So uh, it's been a long time since the Raiders have, have you know, been in the upper part of the the defensive statistics when it comes to pressure on quarterbacks and and sacks on quarterbacks so you're right about that but again it's got to go hand in hand when the play is there to be made they've got to make it they had six interceptions as a team last year six there's guys in the league that had six plus interceptions themselves that's what i'm talking about you've got to get some of those dudes in your secondary as well guys that make plays that can 
that, that you just count on. You know that they're going to be good for four, five, six sacks or six uh, interceptions, whatever, a season. You just know that that's what they're going to provide. That, that guy is such a difference maker in the defense. So thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. And that's going to do it for today's show, Raider Nation. Uh, appreciate everything. Hopefully you get a, check to, a chance to check out the Raider Roundtable if you haven't already done so. If you do, let me know what you thought about it. I had a lot of fun being a part of it. I don't ever want to take anything that I do for granted because it's a blessing to be in the position that I'm in. Um, I don't have to be in this position, but uh, through hard work and, and you know a little bit of luck at times, I am. So like I said, don't ever want to take that for granted. Don't ever want to take the opportunity I have here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast for granted either. And definitely appreciate you because without you, this show obviously would not matter. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, uh, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. More importantly, as always, just win, baby.